Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for the Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than your favorite, my favorite, everybody's favorite doctor, Dr. Christopher Colin. Christopher, how in the hell are you, my friend? Samuel. Samuel Marcoux. How the hell have you been, buddy? It's like uh, we're back. This is nice. I'm actually surprised I just said your name. Um, because if we're not tweeting or texting each other, uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, but it's good to be back. My friend, it's nice to dust this thing off. Yeah. No bugs. Get the dust right off of here. There's no <laughs> bugs, no dust. Uh, it has been a while, but you know what? For the longtime citizens of Perfectville, this is no news. I mean, we take a break after the season. Usually we take a break during the season, but we took a break <laughs> after the season. Uh, mainly because you know, it's normal when wrestling didn't even say anything. He's just like, this is, yeah, it makes sense. I'm going to plan my vacation this time too. Yeah. Well, that's what we, we just shut down the entire town of Perfectville and everybody just go visit your family, go say hi, go do what you got to do. And then come back three weeks later. And here you go. We'll be talking about tight ends in no time so uh no just a good old break recharge the batteries we had all kinds of things going on chris you started a new gig you are your kids playing football again you're coaching again uh my kids uh well i don't know what she's doing she's around here somewhere i'm actually in her room right now because (laughs) yeah i'm in a room right now you can see the mario brothers and the pong playing behind me here which is her awesome screensaver i'm kind of jealous of her room to be honest but uh, my studio the perfectville studio is no longer chris i posted some pictures it has been demolished it's been destroyed it's currently being uh sheetrocked and taped and being ready to be turned into an actual fifth bedroom in my house here, Chris, because I have another kid on the way. He'll be here in May. I've got a boy now to go with the girl. I don't even know what to do with a boy. I'm going to have to call you outside of the show to understand how do I raise a boy kid? Because I've been raising girl kids and now I've got a boy kid. So uh, there's all kinds of things been going on here. See, see what happens when you go away for three weeks, ladies and gentlemen, Chris gets a new job. I get a new kid everything's new in the time we should stop doing the show it sounds like all positive things to me it's a promotion for me you get a son and of course naturally you're going to come to me i'm not only a father of a son i'm a doctor i mean so of course it's a doctor in dolphins fandom but we won't talk about that it's still you know it leads to credence to be able to you know let you know here or there pro tip number one always cover up the dangly dang because he's going to pee and it's going to hit you directly they're like snipers it's weird like that. Everyone I've told that 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 is a parent of a son or sons has said, first of all, they're going to break everything. And second of all, they're going to pee on everything. And I'm like, why does everybody keep saying that? But I guess why that's are what boys happens. dogs? That's so weird. It's like you're a comedian, Sam. It's like what Louis C.K. said in famously in one of his uh, sketches, uh, girls. Uh, boys break uh, boys. I'm sorry. I'm just totally just totally. I don't remember that. him saying boys. That. Boys fuck shit up. Girls fuck you up. Okay, so boys will be physical, they'll break stuff, but hey, hey, buddy, dust it off. Let's go hang out, have a soda, and watch the baseball game with dad. Come here, guy. Girls will manipulate you and, <laughs> and hurt you in ways 
Uh, he famously ended the joke with he had two girls and one her toy broke. And when she was crying, he asked what's wrong. She said, well, my toy broke, but hers isn't broken and asked him to break her toy too. So she suffered and he did, he did it because they're just so damn manipulative. So boys will, yes, right. Destructive break shit, but man, you're going to enjoy it. Having a son is one of the coolest things ever. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And speaking of Louis C.K., I actually uh, opened for Louis C.K. about two years ago to the day. So, did he jerk uh, off in front of you? No, he did not. But I did I did make the joke that opening for Louis C.K. in 2019 is like having sex with the homecoming queen 20 years after homecoming, right? Like, it's like, it's cool. It's like, hey, I got the open for Louis C.K. when? Well, let's just not talk about when. Let's just talk about that it happened. Yeah. You know? yeah, that'd be like if I was opening for Carlos Mencia this weekend, I wouldn't even tell anybody. Actually, Carlos Mencia is a friend of mine, so you shut your whore mouth. But uh, Carlos Mencia is a nice guy. He gets a bad Doopity. rap. He gets a bad rap. He does. Um, he was he was he was great. I mean, people act like they can't like him um, because you know it's it's actually funny if, if he like was famous like maybe three years prior to that, nothing would have happened. But like just right at the infancy of the internet with the whole Joe Rogan thing, you know, coming in on the Laugh Factory at him. That's what, you know, turned everything around. But dude, like I like Dane Cook too. Like these guys got famous and like now it's like publicly easy to hate them. Like these guys did their thing and they made money, man. That's awesome. Dane Cook's a friend of mine as well. Strategically, I get friends with all the comics that are now like on the downside of their career. I can see that. Something that happened. <laughs> like, like, uh, do you remember uh, Jamie Kennedy? Friend of, of course. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I get all these guys that they're like this because of something. And I'm like, I'll be your friend. So yeah, get them on the down swoop and then hopefully they bring you up. <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking of friends, we have all kinds of friends for the Miami Dolphins that are uh, in the tight end room. We're going to talk about Mike Kosicki. We're going to talk about Durham Smythe. We're going to talk who I called Dallas Smythe all season long, Chris. I don't think anybody even noticed. I was calling the wrong name all season long. Turns out it's Durham, not Dallas. Sorry, guys. I don't think he would have noticed. Honestly. No, I, mean, I think He's Coach like, Greer called him Dallas. Is that my name? Is that yeah. my name? Uh, so we're going to talk all about the tight ends because if there is one bright spot in the Miami Dolphins offense, and Chris and I have been spending the offseason trying to figure out how to fix the offense. We talked about the quarterbacks. We talked about the running backs. We talked about the wide receivers. We obviously have tight ends and then the offensive line. And then we'll see how our predictions come true here, Chris, because we'll be going into free agency at that point. But um, something we got to talk about before we talk about the tight ends is some news that has happened here for the Miami Dolphins. We have had some news in, uh, recently. Uh, Kyle Van Oy, the big offseason signing last season as a linebacker coming from the New England Patriots to the Miami Dolphins. He got too old, Chris. He turned 29, almost 30 years old, and we're like, we can't have <laughs> that. So we actually officially released Kyle Van Oy today here, Chris, as we record right before we went on the air. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kyle Van Oy, his one season with the Miami Dolphins, and why do you think he was let go so, I guess, surprisingly? I'll start with the second question. He was let go because the cap went down. It went down almost 10%. Uh, that's, that's a big drop. Uh, 182.5 million. I think last year was 198 million. Um, so Vanoy, I think, is a cap casualty. That's the second question. The first part, how do I feel about it? I don't like it, Sam. And, and here's why. You, you bring in a veteran, and he's not only a veteran, he's an accomplished veteran that played with – Brian Flores and they had success, uh, success together. Maybe sex. I don't sex know. Together. Maybe they had sex. I'm not saying they didn't breaking news in Perfectville, <laughs> Vanoy and Flores relationship gone wrong, but no, um, they had much success together. And what does this say to other free agents, especially ones without connections to Brian Flores and the new England Patriots? 
hey, if something goes wrong and the cap goes down, you're the first guy to go. One year into a four-year deal, I get it. If it's a two-year deal, if it's a vet minimum, if he is 35, 36, and on the end of his rope, uh, the whole like get rid of him one year early uh, instead of a year late, the Patriot way, this is eight years too early, five years too early. Van Noy was helping us. He was uh, a leader, a veteran guy that was still young on the young side, you know, Twitch channel, things like that. This doesn't bode well for incoming free agents, in my opinion, or even guys still on our roster that might be a year or two away. They're thinking, am I next? If they'll do it to Van Noy, especially after having sex with Flores, like, won't they get rid of me? Well, I think what it tells you is don't have sex with your head coach. Uh, at least don't let it end badly. You better be better in bed than Kyle Van Noy, or otherwise your contract's going to be completely null and void. I guess Van Ginkle was a better lay. Oh my goodness! Well, and I really, you know, speaking of Van Ginkle, we're having some 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 uh, some jokes here. But it's been I a think while, Sam. So yeah. I, my dirty mind is needed to explode. I, my new job is working from home, so I don't deal with people anymore. So it's like the first time I'm having human interaction other than like my wife and son and dog. So thank you, Sam. He's just. He just said, well, it's, he had sex with our coach. Like that's, that's what you said on the air. And now we're going to get sued. That's all right. Um, slander. Slander is perfect, Bill. So, so what I think is it's twofold. A, the cap did go down, and that affects everybody, uh, including people that we may need to sign into next year and the year beyond that. Uh, so that's part of it, right? So we thought we were going to have a certain amount of cap room. It goes down 8%. We have less cap room, less maneuverability to actually fix the offense like you and I are talking about. That's number one. Number two, I think Andrew Van Ginkle, the other van, uh, balled out so much, so consistently, and in so many different ways that it kind of made Kyle Van Noy expendable. I mean, I hate to say it. I think you're right. The optics look bad when you sign a four-year contract expecting to be one of the leaders for many years for the Miami Dolphins defense, and instead you get cut unceremoniously after one season, and you're going to go elsewhere. Kyle Van Noy is going to be fine. He's going to find a job like that. I mean, he's that good. He's going to go find a play, you know, somewhere else to play. But I agree with you. I think it looks a little bit weird for incoming free agents, but at the same time, I think it speaks volume to the talent that we're able to acquire through the draft, which is clearly our strategy on both offense and defense right now is to get as many players to stay here that we've drafted as we possibly can. So um, I also think they need room, Chris. I mean, I think they need room to make some moves. And if you can cut Kyle Van Noy and not see your production drop as much, as much as it sucks to see a guy, one of your guys go, you, you kind of have to do it, save that 5 million or whatever it is in cap so they can go out and get a wide receiver or a running back or whatever um, to bring in. So yeah, it might look bad optic wise, but uh, I think it's, I think it's one domino that's falling to allow a bunch of other dominoes to fall into place as well. That's my official opinion. And I don't think this is the last domino. There's going to be a lot of, former Miami Dolphins that played on the 2020 Miami Dolphins uh, this year with the whole cap situation, with all our draft picks and with the free agents that we want to bring in there's the, the smoke out there. Of course, it's draft season. We're 50 days to the day today of recording uh, till the NFL draft in Cleveland of all places. I don't know why the hell they'd pick Cleveland, but uh, I told Charlotte, I told my wife, I said, uh, we didn't get to go to the draft last year in Vegas. And I was like, Oh, let's go this year. You know, kind of, get a vaccine. We can go, go up to the draft. And I saw, you know, I'm not going to get a COVID vaccine and then get hip, get hepatitis because I went to Cleveland for the NFL draft. So that's not happening. I'll watch it from the comfort of my house and I will record as we do. Uh, but Sam, yeah, we have all these draft picks. We need to bring in free agency. There's smoke that Steven Ross wants to win now and understands our division and the AFC in general is strong and only getting stronger. And we need to spend big in free agency. And if we're going to do that and we're going to go after weapons like Galladay and John Brown, who was just cut today and, uh, 
possibly Aaron Jones, the running back for the Packers, you need money. And if you can, like you said, even if it drops a little bit with Van Ginkle, uh, but get clear up some cap space and get rid of uh, Van Noy at the same breath, uh, get younger because Van Ginkle is younger and he's just weirder looking and has blonde, long hair. And he scores touchdowns against Jared Goff and the Rams. So he just made bigger splash plays. And like you said, you mentioned it and it's something that a lot of people aren't talking about here. He does things other than just rush the passer and play defense. He does special teams. He's hustling on kickoff returns, kickoffs, and punt teams, too. He's much more versatile than Kyle Van Noy at this point in his career. Yeah, he really is, and, and I just think that's what it is. It's a numbers game, and Van Noy got squeezed by the numbers. Uh, speaking of being squeezed, speaking of numbers, we have a new number on the offensive line, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what that number <laughs> represents, but Isaiah Wilson, former Bulldog, former uh, high school alumni of the same exact high school that Brian Flores went to, uh, spent one season as a first-round draft pick of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Isaiah Wilson traded to the Miami Dolphins for a song and a prayer. Uh, I don't know what to expect of him, Chris. Uh, he's a young guy. He's obviously got talent. He was drafted in the uh, first round last year, the, the, the area where we had three uh, first-round draft picks. We apparently liked him a lot coming out of Georgia. We have his uh, old Georgia teammate, Solomon Kinley, on the line already. Uh, we're kind of hoping that maybe the combination of Flores going to the same high school that Isaiah Wilson went to, uh, having his, uh, his running mate there, Solomon Kinley from Georgia, along with him, is somehow going to turn around a guy who couldn't handle the pressures of the big city life of Tennessee. He's now coming to Miami. Big Isaiah Wilson. Uh, I don't know, a couple times arrested last season, a couple times on the COVID list last season. Uh, we'll see how he does in South Beach, my friend. Hopefully he got all of the crazy stuff out of the way in year one in Nashville. That's we normally talking- how it works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. And that, now South Beach, that's the medicine. We were talking off the air, Sam, and uh, before we started the show, and it, it's funny. It's like he couldn't handle, handle Nashville. So Miami, naturally, sounds like the best place to go and try uh, his second chance. And here's the thing. It is a second chance, and it's his only second chance. I mean, he might go somewhere else here or there. Um, but this is one of those things where if Tennessee gave him up for a swap of seventh-round picks – There was no salvaging his time there in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel had enough, but the only reason that I uh, can see this as a possible bright spot is Brian Flores. A knows Mike Vrabel. So, you know, he called him was like, what the hell am I getting with this dude? And B uh, the connections that they have. A lot of people are like, who cares? They went to the same high school. Look, this is football. When you're a football star and you go to Boston college and you, you play in college and you're from the same high school, you, you stay, in touch with those guys with the circles around your high school and your connections and your networking. And when you're Brian Flores and you've been a scout, you've been a defensive coordinator for the new England Patriots. You visit the high school for these players and you visit colleges, especially with guys that come from the same school that you went to. I still follow Amon Richards, who was a great receiver for the university of Miami that had to retire due to uh, medical reasons, but he played for my alum Wellington high school down in West Palm beach, Florida. So I follow him because I think it's cool. And his brother went there. He's going to UCF. Now it's cool to follow those guys. So I've seen people on dolphins, Twitter. that are like, what's that have to do with anything? The floors with the same high school. They're older or there's an age gap, there's connections, there's networks, there's circles. So if he can, of all people, Brian Flores, that will go and literally try to fight other people for his teammates, for his players, and he has his former teammate, Solomon Kinley, next to him that possibly can ring him in and be like, hey, dude, look, this year you already, if you've already that mission failed after one season as a first-round pick, uh, hopefully uh, there, there's no risk. 
There's no risk, Sam. We cut them. That's it. T- Tennessee's paying them more than we are this year, and it was a seventh-round pick. Who cares? We, we drafted a long snapper with a sixth-round pick last year. So who cares if we lose out on a seventh-round pick? Let them go. The, the reward, the ceiling, here's how I'll end my statement on this. My cousin is a Tennessee Titans fan. He texted me after it happened. He said, I hope my GM gets fired. So could work out. Well, look, I mean, a shout out to Mothman26, who is on Reddit. And if you go to the subreddit, NFL underscore draft, you can find the uh, the post that Mothman put together. Uh, it, the post is called, is Isaiah Wilson already the front runner for the biggest bust of the century? century. Uh, so he, oh, yes, shit. the century, Chris. So we're going to put together, this is what happened. This is one season, ladies and gentlemen. So um, he started the season on the COVID list due to being caught at a TSU party. All right, strike one right there. Reportedly came into camp 30 to 40 pounds overweight and was outperformed by career backup Dennis Kelly. I've never heard of Dennis Kelly, but apparently this first round talent was not good enough to beat out this old schlub, Dennis I Kelly. hate people with two first names. Exactly right. Uh, got caught for a second time at a TSU party, this time looking to jump off the second floor balcony to escape the cops who were breaking up the party. This He's going to <laughs> college parties as a professional athlete he's college age so i don't really hate him for that but yes you have to be smart enough to know that when you're 6'6 370 pounds jumping off the second story balcony to run away from the cops is probably not going to be the smartest thing in the the world but because of that he ended up back on the covid list again due to exposure of people at parties now this is all again first week or two of the season here chris um he gets back from the covid list and he celebrates by going for a little bit of a joyride in his car, uh, gets a DUI for doing burnouts at an intersection, and then crashing it into a cement pillar, and then asking for help on Instagram. <laughs> okay, so uh, this is all happening before the season started, by the way. This is all before the season started. So Good first impression was- for a new employer. <laughs> The time he was drafted by the Tennessee Titans in the first round and the season hasn't even started yet. He's been on the COVID list twice. He's been arrested twice. He's got a DUI. He's asking for help for his crash car on Instagram. Um, He gets his first snap week 11. So finally makes it into a game. He only had four snaps on the season, Chris. His first snap happens week 11, and it's in uh, special teams. And you can find the play. He absolutely gets flatlined by the defensive lineman. Bad technique, doesn't know what he's doing. They snap the ball, and he's immediately on his back. And the, and the field goal almost gets blocked because of it. Um, so after all that, celebrating the fact that he's finally – in the game, uh, what happens? He gets suspended for violating the team rules. And then four late, four days later, gets put on the non-football reserve list for a separate incident. So that's just his rookie season. And it's not even over because then you get to New Year's Eve, Chris. And you know what happens when you got new money on New Year's Eve? You're talking Instagram posts with money flying everywhere, naked, butt naked, awesome looking naked, butt naked strippers everywhere uh, on, on a boat party. Um, just throwing it around, ended up on the COVID list again. Uh, in his postseason press conference, Mike Vrabel sounded like a defeated dad talking about his 45-year-old stepson who still lives in the basement when talking about Isaiah Wilson. And uh, what's he up to now? Well, his birthday was just a couple of other a couple days ago, and he posted about a big party that he was having in Miami. And then this morning on Instagram, the day after his birthday party, he posted this. 
in case any local or federal investigation by any department, entity, or anything similar to, uh, I do not have any involvement in drug or sales of drugs, nor partake in any involvement in street crime. This account is strictly for entertainment. So um, that was Isaiah Wilson's rookie season. Good God. He got a lifetime worth of debauchery out of the way in about six months. He's now a Miami Dolphin, Chris. I don't know if we could we give him Richie Incognito's old number. I feel like that's just <laughs> the way to do it. I feel like it's going to be Richie's just to be ironic, or it's going to be one step up, one number up and be 69. Um, or it's going to be double zero because he's just going to be a mascot with TD and he's not going to be playing for our team. I don't know. I didn't know that list. That list is <laughs> unbelievable. It's a scroll. It's more of a scroll, especially considering it's the last 365 days, less than that less. since he's been drafted. Um, so yeah, unless Brian Flores has some magical dad look where he just across the room, you know, does the whole stare thing. Uh, he probably won't make it to training camp. <laughs> I, just, I mean, he maybe maybe we can give him Mark Walton's old number. Who knows? I mean, uh, <laughs> he, he makes share a cell together. Big like, oh, trivia. We're the first two cellmates that share the same NFL number and the same team. That's great. Uh, and I think a 69 might be appropriate if you watch the videos I watched of that stripper party on New Year's Eve with Mr. Isaiah Wilson. So uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's your entertainment. He's been a tall stripper. he's huge who's 69ing him is she like sucking his belly button (laughs) there's so much sex talk on our show this is about football chris what are you doing well kyle vanoy gets uh cut because he had sex with brian flores and isaiah (laughs) wilson gets traded for because he had sex with everybody else on the planet so there you go ladies and gentlemen there's the news when it comes to the miami dolphins kyle vanoy we say goodbye from perfectville and isaiah wilson we say welcome to perfectville Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, well, with that, Chris, let's talk about something a little more enlightening because we're going to talk about the offensive line in depth on the next episode of Welcome to Perfectville. But on this episode, that was just the intro, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about uh, the bright spot, the lone shining star of the offense. And that, of course, would be the tight ends room, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, sometimes Mac Hollins. Uh, what a great group of receivers and tight ends for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. And I'm not being facetious. I mean that 100% here, Chris. Just give me high level right now. What are your thoughts when you think about the tight ends for the Miami Dolphins in 2020? Good. Yeah. If, if we don't have to talk about them or worry about them, then they were good. Um, did they blow the doors off and it's, you know, Travis Kelsey type? No, but I, I think Kelsey, uh, Gasecki can get close to that. I don't know about the production of Travis Kelsey. He's just out of this world for that position. But Mike Gasecki is one of those guys that is almost, I don't want to say generational, but he transcends the, the position, right? So he's got the, He's tall. He's lanky. He makes athletic, ridiculous highlight catches. He can uh, be a mismatch on tight end. Or I'm sorry, on linebackers and even some safeties. Uh, and, and then he can use his physical abilities to beat corners one on one. So he's a huge mismatch nightmare. And no matter what quarterback we've had so far, um, they love throwing him the ball. Who wouldn't with that catch radius, with his height, with his leaping ability? and his ability to just make that ridiculous circus catch. So Mike Isecki just individually is what makes that tight end room so good. And I think the greatest thing about 
Gasecki and his abilities is having somebody like Shaheen, uh, who's secondarily, uh, you know, he's on the next tier, maybe one less than that. If Gasecki's on tier one, he's in tier three, but he complements the team well. And uh, to give him a, br- a break and a breather. And then you got Smythe in the middle there that does kind of both. He's good in the red zone and he's great at blocking. And you need all kind of, he, they're like all three, the best tight end in history uh, as three separate players if you combine their talents. So all we need to do now is just, you know, clone them and make one actual super tight end. And that, that's what you got, but yeah, all good. All good for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, you talk about combining their talents, when you combine their numbers, Chris, it is statistically the best the tight ends have ever done for the Miami dolphins in all of our years, 91 receptions, 1,161 wow. yards receiving and 11 touchdowns. Now to your point, if you were to break that down by individual, the majority of that is Mike Kosicki. Let's, let's not kid ourselves in terms of receiving that includes running backs and wide receivers. He was the second best receiver on the team behind Devonte Parker. 53 receptions, 703 yards, and six touchdowns. So half of the touchdown production from all the tight ends came from Mike Kosicki. The majority of the yardage came from Mike Kosicki. And what did I say? 53 receptions out of 91. So a little over half of the receptions came to Mike Kosicki. The reason why the tight ends are good is because Mike Kosicki is very, very good. And I agree with you. He's he's almost, I'm almost ready to call him the best tight end the Miami Dolphins have in terms of talent across the board. I'm talking in all of history of the Miami Dolphins. He's a better athlete than just about any tight end we've ever had. And if you start to look at what he's done over the last couple seasons, as people are starting to use him, because Adam Gase did not use him correctly, but ever since coach Flores and Chris Greer have identified him as the player, he's doing really damn good. And you know what? He's also a leader, which is great. Something that we've wanted Devontae Parker to be for a long time. I remember watching Durham Smythe catch his first career touchdown this past season here, Chris, and Mike Kosicki wasn't even in the game. It was a goal line sort of situation. And you think Mike Kosicki should be there. He's basically your best receiver, especially at the tight end position, but the package didn't call for it. Instead, Mike Kosicki was on the sidelines and that was probably by design because it was probably like, okay, Durham Smythe is in. He's the blocking tight end for the Miami Dolphins. They're going to try to run it in with, you know, Suvon Ahmed or whoever was uh, back there for the running back position instead they throw a touchdown to Durham Smythe first person first person to congratulate Durham Smythe on his first ever tight end uh, touchdown as a tight end in the in National Football League Mike Kosicki was sprinting from the sidelines grabs Durham Smythe and then later puts a Facebook post or a social media post out there Chris it says you know when you're just as happy for your best friend to get his first touchdown as you are when you got yours so this room is tight here, Chris. They have cohesion. Durham Smythe and Mike Kosicki are best buds by their own admission. So not only do you have talented guys who complement each other, you have talented guys who complement each other who happen to like each other quite a bit uh, when you have Durham Smythe and Mike Kosicki. And then Adam Shaheen, we got for a song and a prayer from the Chicago Bears last season. And he comes in, just like you said here, Chris, and he just adds to everything. I mean, especially later in the season, you can see he was starting to come on. It looked like he was starting to have a rapport with Tua Tungavailoa as the quarterback. And all of a sudden, you've got a three-headed monster at the tight end position and I love all three of these guys Chris I'm so happy that they're all under contract I I think you know unlike what we talked about with the running backs and unlike what we talked about the tight ends I think we're gonna have a very different conversation when we get to should they be on the Miami Dolphins in 2021 or not oh for sure and 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 kind of going back to my point they all three just do things well and that makes it so hard to uh, defend as a defensive coach and uh, scheme up a game plan of what to do and what guys in the game. Cause now the defense has to know not just like one position, but they have to know the different skill sets, which they all do have uh, different skill sets. They have to know how to defend those guys. If Kaseki's in the game, you know, he might be going up that seam. 
maybe doing a crossing route and he's got this gigantic catch radius and we have to defend that be prepared for that if it's Smythe, like you said they might start keying the run uh but also he's sneaky out of the backfield with his uh catching ability the cool thing about all three of these guys sam and i think you probably agree and it's not something that's talked about a lot these guys all three have sure hands like all three there's no drop issues there's nothing like you can't trust them on third down and five they're going to go down and slide and make a catch dive and make a catch take a hit and make a catch or just make a ridiculous circus catch so when you have all those things combined including the schematical issues um that it that it causes the defense it's a it's a great room and to see that they're close and the chemistry is close i think COVID helped with that too because those guys uh they're in pods uh you know they had to stay in these little groups and if that happens naturally uh guys like-minded um jobs and like-minded skill sets and then positions they're gonna rightfully be uh, magnetically attached to one of each other's hips and it's cool that they're friends and uh, that's going to help the locker room and that's what you want in the young locker room and one that you're trying to build for future success yeah and just for, just to further put that point home do you know who had the longest reception from scrimmage all season long for the miami dolphins mm, hollands and the raiders play no, that was that was about 34 yards on that one. It was actually Mike Kosicki at 70 yards. That was the longest play from scrimmage in terms of reception. Um, number two was, of course, um, actually from that same Raiders game, uh, but not Mac Hollins, but actually um, Gaskins. Gaskins with that little yeah. pump off play that he ran. But yeah. when I look at the long in terms of everybody on the Miami Dolphins who caught a pass for, for the Miami Dolphins in 2020, uh, Preston Williams is at 47 yards. That's the best at the wide receiver position. Wow. Um, right after him. Is Durham Smythe at 40 or not? I'm sorry, not Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen at 43 yards. So Adam Shaheen had a longer play from scrimmage than Devontae Parker, had a longer play from scrimmage than Jakeem Grant, had a longer play from scrimmage from just about everybody not named Mike Kosicki, uh, uh, Preston Williams, and of course, uh, Miles yeah. Gaskin there. That's so, ridiculous. So if you, you just kind of talking about that point, Sam, that just shows that we need to get playmakers, that there's no one making yak. There's no one making yards after catch. And the one time, the two times I can think of, um, he should have had both probably is Jakeem Grant on the crossing route that he dropped or bobbled. And then it, you know, caused him to slow down and the guy to catch up. Uh, and then the deep ball where he was at uh, two ahead was at his heels at the end zone and threw it deep and bounced off his hands. He should have been one and two uh, for that, but it just shows right there. There's a couple of plays, uh, but consistently across the board, it's sad that your third string tight end is right up there with Preston Williams. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'm looking at it the other way. Cause you're right. I mean, we talked about the wide receivers and we talked about the running backs and the fact that we need a lot of help there in both free agency and the draft. But when I look at the tight ends here, Chris, I'm not seeing any holes in the game right now. I mean, you, you look at all three of those guys, if one guy goes down, I have confidence that Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen, if, if it's Kasiki that goes down, uh, can hold the fort down for a day, right. For a game. Uh, and same with, if, you know, if Shaheen goes down, we know we're good with Gasicki and Smythe. So I, I I'm going to go through this real quick. I think we're going to agree on all of them, but let's just go through all three of them. They're all under contract going into the 2021 season here. So this is going to make it easier, but uh, Mike Kosicki, should he stay on the Miami dolphins in 2021? Yeah. I riot if he's not. <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, uh, Durham Smythe, his, his best buddy there is he stay on the Miami dolphins in 2021. Don't see why we'd ever get rid of, rid of him. Yeah. Put, put a good running back behind him. Let him block for him. And there you go. And then, of course, uh, the three-headed monster, the third head of that three-headed monster, Mr. Adam Shaheen. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Unless we get an upgrade, which I don't see one out there in free agency um, or in the draft, um, unless you get like uh, uh, Brevin Jordan um, from, from Miami in like the third or fourth round, then yeah, I, I would upgrade Shaheen. But 
I don't see that out there and that being a position of need for us at this moment. So I wouldn't, uh, for us to get uh, a Brevin Jordan or, or a Pitts, you'd have to use one of our high first, second, or third round picks. And I don't see us using that on a position that's three deep. No, I don't. I don't either. And this is why it's going to be a short episode of Perfect Hill because we're pretty happy with the tight ends here, ladies and gentlemen. If they just do exactly what they did in 2021, or I'm sorry, in 2020, in 2021, uh, with the progression of Tua Tungavailoa as the quarterback and some other weapons around uh, these guys, I think we're going to be just fine. But for shits and grins and giggles here, Chris, we are going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about what could happen and what does it mean if the Miami Dolphins do decide to focus on tight end here in this offseason? What does that mean long term? I mentioned everybody's under contract next season, Chris, but the season after that, we got some free agents in the tight end room that we're going to have to talk about. So let's talk about what the Miami Dolphins could do to hedge their bets going into next off season when Mike Kosicki and Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen are all free agents. So uh, we'll go pay some bills. We'll come back right after these words. This episode of welcome to Perfectville is brought to you in part by patch vibes. Go to patchvibes.com today. And upon checkout, type in the promo code perfect and get 20% off of your purchase. That's right. Anything and everything in the patch vibes store is now 20% off when you type in the promo code perfect at checkout that's right go to patchvibes.com and type in the promo code perfect upon checkout and get 20 percent off of all of your purchases today and just like that we're back in your ear holes christopher collins sam marcu talking about the tight ends for the miami dolphins the one lone shining bright spot from week one all the way through week 17 was the tight end room here we already talked about what mike is brought to that tight end room and collectively between him shaheen and smythe what they're able to do that was the the most prolific tight end room we've ever had chris for the miami dolphins so both of us agree we don't really want to see much change in 2021 and beyond uh, but let's just let's just noodle this out here chris let's just say the miami dolphins go into free agency and they start seeing some of these names that have been cut released or not re-signed by their current teams uh, players like kyle rudolph good player been around about 10 years he's a veteran um he's on the market as a tight end players like hunter henry who when he's healthy hunter henry is one of the best tight ends in the league um you got players like that that are on the open market here chris i don't foresee the miami dolphins pursuing a, a, a top line front end tight end starter in free agency especially when we talk about how the you know the salary cap has been depressed however if that were to happen let's just say they went after somebody like hunter henry um it, I can't imagine they're going to do so and cut somebody like Mike Gesicki or a Durham Smythe. It would have to be somebody like a like an Adam Shaheen, the back end of the roster, to shore it up and bring up, you know, and just make them that much better. If you have Hunter Henry along with, you know, Mike Gesicki, that's a pretty damn good combination. But I would imagine if we did something like that, it would be because we want to hedge our bets as to what's going to happen after next season. Because something that we do need to be concerned with is the fact that Mike Gesicki and Durham Smythe, to a lesser extent, are both free agents after the 2021 season. So I'm of the opinion here, Chris, that if we were to go out and sign a big name tight end, um, one of two things has happened. One of our guys has gotten injured early, uh, meaning like in the next week or two, or they don't think they can re-sign Mike Kosicki when he's a free agent next offseason and they're hedging their bets and trying to get talent in now to keep that pipeline going, pair them with Gasicki for a season, and then push Gasicki out or push the, the veteran out if they are somehow, somehow able to come to terms with Mike Gasicki. That's the only way I see us going after you know, a frontline, front-end, tight-end starter in this league as a free yeah. agent. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening, and and I know they they can do that, but I don't see Chris Greer and Brian Flores 
being the type to make um, roster decisions based on a year or two from now contract situations, because there's just too much. What ifs there's too much uh, to wonder, um, you know, is, is the stadium is going to be filled with fans now this year due to the vaccines and the season starting in the fall. And, uh, and in that case, if so, is the cap the cap room going to go back up? Are we going to have somebody that breaks out as a rookie or, a, 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 you know, a late round draft pick or flyer that we took on a guy is somebody going to be uh, available that they didn't expect next off season. So no, there's, there's too many things to, um, to wonder about. You worry about that, that towards the end of this year, you know, you start having those conversations with Gasicki. You're like, hey, listen, you know, what are you going to ask for? What are the demands? What are you garnering? Um, because it, it really, what you say after next year, he's a free agent, right? He has like two years left. Or- well, he's got this season. So once he plays through the okay. 2021 season, then he will be a free agent. Okay. So, yeah, we, you need to ha- start having that conversation mid-year. Um, uh, because if he – and that's where the Cowboys just missed out on signing Dak Prescott, and they are probably – kicking themselves now for 10 million extra a year uh, because they didn't sign him a few years back when they signed Ezekiel Elliott. Um, because Gusecki is one of those guys that's his agent. If he's smart, is going to come in and be like, yeah, he's a tight end, but he's basically a wide receiver. Like he, he runs wide receiver routes. He catches wide receiver passes and uh, the value to the team is more than just tight end. He's not a red zone kind of guy. Um, and he's going to ask for big money and we're going to, we got to know if he's going to take a hometown discount, a Florida discount. Um, so you need to start having those conversations. Smythe, I think you can just kind of, you know, work at it during the off season in that case, because I like the guy a lot, but it's not something that you're like, no, we lost Smythe. Our, our season's over. You know, Gusecki, your, your team drops out a bit when he hurt his shoulder and we're in the midst of that playoff race that was a huge blow yeah i mean mike Kosicki again he is the reason why the tight end room is as successful as it's been here over the last couple of seasons in particular the 2020 season i agree with you he is a must sign durham Smythe is somebody who uh, you know if mike Kosicki says i will sign on the condition that you sign my friend okay then you sign durham Smythe as well and you figure out how to make that work but it is mike Kosicki and no one else and that's why i'm saying i don't see us spending high uh, dollars on a tight end in this offseason uh, again, if we're going to get anybody, it's probably going to be a project to be on the backside to maybe, maybe uh, compete with somebody like Adam Shaheen, who we're tickled to death with. So I don't even know if that's even going to be. Um, and we already traded capital for him. So it's like one of those things you're kind of already saying that you made a mistake twofold by getting rid of him and getting someone else to replace him. Yeah, we just don't see it happening now. So putting that aside, uh, barring that, if we do see something happen at the tight end position in free agency, I think it's a tell as to what they think is going to happen a year from now. That's all I'm saying. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. I don't think the Hunter Henrys and the Kyle Rudolphs and everybody else that's going to be on the market is worth us saying, oh, we're going to go get him and we're going to pair him with Gasicki long-term. It would be a strategic plan, I think, down the road to say, well, we can get Hunter Henry and he's going to cost a little bit less than Mike Gasicki will next season when the salary cap goes back up and his demands seemingly go up as well because he's going to be young hungry healthy and you know hopefully coming off of yet another good season um but let's shift our, our 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 thought process to the draft here chris we talked about free agency and we don't think we're going to be spending or spenders at all when it comes to the tight end position but the draft is interesting here because we've already talked about what the miami dolphins could and possibly should do with the third overall pick but if you look at every single mock draft that's out there um Kyle Pitts is going from the, from the university of Florida 
is going in the first round. He's going in the top 15 picks. Uh, I think the lowest I've seen him go is at like, you know, to the new England Patriots where they are right now, which I think is 15 or 16. Um, he's not going to make it to 18. If for some reason, Kyle Pitts made it to the 18th overall pick where the Miami dolphins have their second of two first round picks. I think at a heart, well, I won't even say in a heartbeat. It depends on who else is there, but if Kyle Pitts is there at 18 and I think maybe uh, you're, you're getting ready to slap me. Do you take him at 18? If he's there, regardless in a heartbeat, you're, you're right. You're okay. right. The first place we already got Jamar chase. We already got Devonte Smith. If he is there for some reason, that's because there's video of him coming out as Zaya Wilson. Yeah, party, yeah, somebody because there's no way he falls that far, but if he does and we have, Gesicki already because if you look at Kyle Pitts he's anything but a tight end like he is like a 6'5-6'6-250 with speed and catch radius and route running ability like he is just the next level uh super tight end um that you just you can't pass up because the the running back position is so deep and it's such a dime a dozen there's some draft analysts that are saying Etanine from Clemson and uh even Najee Harris might go into the second round which I don't think is going to happen but even still before that we talked about the running backs Javante Williams from North Carolina or Carter his, his running mate if Pitts is there at 18 Sam I'm not only slapping you I will go to Cleveland I will risk hepatitis and I will slap Roger Goodell if he any name other than Kyle Pitts off that goddamn card. Well, there you go. I mean, Chris is uh, yes to Kyle Pitts at 18. And it's so funny, Chris, because I keep watching on these mock drafts and I keep seeing him. And every time I start scrolling down and I get to 12, 13, 14, and I don't see Kyle Pitts's name. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to see him go down to 18. And he never makes it. He gets to like 15 and he's, and he's, he's chosen every single time. Yeah, that's terrifying. If he gets to 15 and New England gets him, we got to cover that guy for the we better draft a goddamn linebacker or sign one. That's what uh, I wonder Chef if Kyle- it right now. Kyle Van Oy can come back. Um, but the, uh, the the thing about Kyle Pitts is I don't think you go for him at three. I've seen people mock him recently at three, Chris. Do mm-hmm. you see Kyle Pitts going at number three? Is he that good of a tight end talent that you would pass on Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and everybody else not wow. named a quarterback, uh, Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, to go get Kyle Pitts at three? Here's my thing about the draft. And I know everybody has grades on picks and what they count for and their point structure. And, Oh, if you trade the third for the eighth, you have to get a third, a second and a look. If there's a player there that you absolutely are in love with, instead of getting them at five, eight, 10, just fucking take them at three. If Chris Greer and the scouts and Brian Flores has done enough um, scouting to where they said, Hey, look, here's your market. We got chase didn't play last year. And he had one good year with burrow. Uh, just a Heisman Trophy winner, Smith, who did great with two quarterbacks and one Heisman and played last year, but undersized, great route running. And then here's Kyle Pitts, who had, again, one good year with Trask, who is a good quarterback, backed up uh, King in high school and uh, really didn't get recruited much. He goes to Florida and lights it up with, with Pitts and Tooney on the outside. You look at other stats, size, route running ability, things like that. This Kyle Pitts, if you actually look at it, I know he's marked as a tight end again, ridiculous. And it means nothing. When you go out on a field, he catches balls that are thrown to him. Like that's it. He can also block by the way, like his blocking is pretty good. But if you look at him, Sam, if you want to compare the three names you just said, and I just said, Chase Smith Pitts, Pitts is almost Smith's route running ability and Jamar Chase's body, but bigger. So it's like, if they go three, all I'll say is if Pitts is there at three, which he will be, um, and they take them, I will not have a negative reaction on my video. That's it. I don't care how much I drink. 
I can't imagine us taking him at three. What I can't imagine is a scenario where somebody falls in love with one of these quarterbacks or maybe one of the wide receivers that we've been linked to and gives us a boatload to trade back to like seven, eight, nine, ten, that range. And all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts is very much in play oh. for the Miami Dolphins. And then you start having to look at, you know, having these, you know, fever wet dreams of Mike Gesicki and 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 fucking Kyle Pitts. Parker too and, and Preston Williams. Like, yeah, and, and plus whoever you get at the 18, right? So, I mean – the only way I see is taking him is if he does fall either to 18, which I don't think is going to happen, or we trade back and go, okay, now we're in a position where we're still going to go get a playmaker for Tua Tungavailoa to throw the ball to. But what does that say, again, if we were to go with somebody, and he's the only tight end on the board, by the way, that you would even think about this scenario some so high in the first round, right? There's nobody else in the draft that we're oh, talking about. No. Yes, it's only Kyle Pitts. But right. does that also uh, speak to hedging our bet with Mike Kosicki after next season and go, Hey, look, we, we've replaced you. We have Kyle Pitts here. He can be our tight end that goes and catches the ball. You are either going to have to, you know, hang out with us and figure out how to be successful as a team player with a team friendly contract, or you're going to go get paid somewhere else. We know you're going to get paid somewhere else, but you're going to risk, you know, whatever that chemistry is going to be, whatever that team, um, you know, atmosphere is going to be because we already have your replacement in-house with Kyle Pitts. I mean, does it send that message to Mike Isicki if you go get Kyle Pitts that we have a better, new, flav- flavorful toy? Yeah, I think, and in case you're wondering, listening at home, what hedge your bet means, it means it sets us up to be uh, come out on the positive side either way of a negotiation. And Sam's co- completely right. If we have Kyle Pitts, you look at Gisecki and you say, hey, you leave. Okay, we have Kyle Pitts. If you stay you get to play with Kyle Pitts. Like, do you want to win and dominate and get less double teams and give our offense um, that you're familiar with and a city you're familiar with and the city that gave you your first shot? It, it, it's giving us a win-win either way. Cause you lose Gasecki, Of course that hurts, but you still have Kyle Pitts <laughs> and, and you, you possibly have Kyle Pitts with Devontae Parker and possibly Kenny Galladay and possibly Preston Williams and, and possibly Sam. Here's my thing. And my, you talk about fever, wet dreams and all that. We're, we're 50 days away from the NFL draft. If we could trade back with a team, let's say Carolina Panthers. I really like that kid, uh, Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota State or whatever. And they trade us, uh, just like you said, boatload of cash and just picks and possibly a player. And we move down to eight and Pitts is there. And we take Pitts and Najee Harris at 18. And a pass rush in the beginning of the second round. And we're sitting there and just without any other free agents, any other of our draft picks, which we have a ton of, and we start that season, start the season fresh with Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Isecki, Kyle Pitts, and Najee Harris with Tua Tungo Bailoa. And God damn it. Don't forget Isaiah Wilson. <laughs> we might have one of the best young offenses in the NFL. Like that's just, fever wet dream literally luckily my mic's one of those that doesn't pick up outside noise because my boner just hit the desk uh, you you too could be in an isaiah wilson video with uh boners and desks and everything else if you were to go to his new year's eve boat my party. new band name boner desk boner desk um yeah I, I mean i look i think that's the only scenario where a drafting a tight end again the talent that we already have right now for the miami dolphins in the tight end room is Great. I mean, I have zero complaints, but if you can be better, then you go try to be better. Kyle Pitts makes you better. Now, assuming that doesn't happen, assuming Kyle Pitts goes to, I don't know, the Broncos or wherever it is he's going to end up going. There's not another tight end prospect, in my opinion, 
worth using high draft capital on. I know you have a, a name in mind that you already mentioned, but to me, the only other way you draft a tight end, if it's not Kyle Pitts is later, like a sixth round project, seventh round project, somebody who's going to run real fast on the kickoff and punt return teams and, you know, block on the inside when you're, when you're trying to kick field goals with your very rich kicker, that's it. You get yourself a project tight end uh, because I have no reason to break up the three man band that we already have with Shaheen Smythe and Gasicki, unless you get, somebody like Kyle Pitts, but you think there is somebody else that we should at least consider from the state of Florida uh, with a draft pick, maybe not in the first round or the second round, but if he's there third round, fourth round, you pull the trigger. Yeah. I'll preface this with we, I would like, uh, we have so many needs. So I would like us to fill our needs before I I guess the easiest way to say this would be a luxury pick. If Brevin Jordan isn't there in the third round, um, I think he's been underlooked uh, because of Pitts and his abilities from the same state and the university of Miami's lack of success uh, nationally to where if there was a combine this year, I think he would shoot up the draft board to be a high second round pick. But since there isn't, if he's sitting there in a third and we've already got our receiver, got our running back, got a pass rusher with our first three, four picks and possibly another lineman or safety. If he's there in the third round, he is clearly end all be all clearly better than Smythe or Shaheen. So if that's upgrading that unit and giving us yet again, we've been preaching this since we talked about receivers, running backs, anything gives us another weapon, a young weapon that could stay home um, and play in the same stadium. We played in in college with a little bit more fans. He will be a good pick for us. And if somebody, again, I wouldn't bang the table for because of all our needs, but and how deep this draft is, but I would not be mad if we picked him in the third round, giving given again, prefacing that we've filled a lot of our needs with our first set of picks. No, I agree with that. I mean, one of the things about Brevin Jordan that uh, I like is that he's 20 years old. And I actually like what the Miami Dolphins are doing in terms of getting younger and younger. I know Kyle Van were joking at 29, always passes prime. <laughs> old fart. If you can win with young players like we did last season, all that does is allow you to keep control of these players in terms of contracts for a long time and allow you to be successful for a longer period of time. Brevin Jordan's 20 years old. So is Kyle Pitts. Brevin Jordan's like 6'3". He's a little bit maybe undersized in terms of height for a tight end, but he's also 6'3". That's not a small man by any chance of imagination. Kyle Pitts happens to be 6'6". Mike Kosicki is 6'6", for those uh, wondering what the, those monsters are looking like. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a solid, what, 230, 240 pounds. He's a big guy. He is a guy that you can, you know, basically not be a starter, but he can contribute right away. So I do like that idea. I don't know that I would go there simply because I do think we have so many other um, needs and not only, you know, the ones that we talked about early with running back and wide receiver, but, you know, offensive line, we can always use help there. I mean, I know Isaiah Wilson is probably the answer to all of our questions on the offensive line, but that alone isn't enough. We do need defensive line help. We do need linebacker help. We'll probably need something with our secondary at some point too. Um, Thank God we signed that kicker for $87 million or whatever it was but um that aside if, if you're saying brevin jordan's about the only other one we should look at in a day two style scenario other than that we both agree we're not going tight end in free agency we're not going tight end in the draft with the exception of kyle pitts if the scenario makes sense and or maybe brevin jordan if again all stars align and he's there and we have a luxury pick because we've already addressed those other needs uh through the draft and free agency correct right. yeah agreed we, we have too many needs and too much um, ammunition 
to fill those needs, to be worried about a position that's so deep like our tight end position right now. Well, there you go there, ladies and gentlemen. We, uh, we both agree, Chris and I here, the town of Perfectville, that we don't really need to change anything about the tight ends room. Mike Kosicki is our star. He is the guy in the tight ends room, and he's got his two minions, Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen, around him to help complement him and everything he does. He is you know, arguably the best receiver we have on the team. You know, Devontae Parker might have something to say about that, but if it's not him, then it's Mike Gesicki. That's it. That's what the Miami Dolphins have right now. Uh, we do agree that we need to focus other areas in terms of draft and free agency in order to get weapons around him, which is just going to make Mike Gesicki that much more valuable to the Miami Dolphins and to a tongue of Iloa. But, however, little caveat, asterisk, if you will, if we were able to get Kyle Pitts, Chris and I, aren't going to be upset about it. And if Brevin Jordan is there later in the draft, Chris is probably going to do a backflip, uh, even if he has to throw himself down the stairs in order to accomplish that. But that's about it. The tight ends are good. The tight ends are golden. Long-term, the only worry we have is, can we get Mike Kosicki signed before he hits free agency after next season? That's my big concern, Chris. That's it. That's the only real concern I have about the tight ends and the tight end room at this point. Yep, got to agree with you. Just you got to resign Gasecki because if you want to stay young, you want to stay talented, and you want to keep your guys. Again, we started the show talking about the the cutting and Van Noy kind of being a bad uh, signal to incoming free agents and our current roster. Uh, what better signal would you like to send than to keep one of your homegrown guys that you drafted and uh, he's been super successful for you and has a bright future than to reward him with a contract extension and keeping him around. Well, totally agree. And uh, that almost brings us to the end of not only this episode of Perfectville, Chris, but the end of how to fix the offense here that we've been doing all offseason. We've already talked about the quarterbacks. We're keeping Tua Tungabailoa. It's funny, Chris, because we've been linked to Tarod Taylor as the backup quarterback for uh, Tua Tungabailoa recently. And uh, that's a guy that I actually brought up on our episode about the quarterback room not too long ago. Uh, we talked about Kenny Galladay on our episode with the wide receivers, and it looks like we're very much linked to not only him and Marvin Jones, as well as a couple others uh, in the wide receivers in terms of free agency. We both agree that we'll need to go get a young running back early somewhere, first, second round in the draft, Najee Harris, Travis, Travis Etienne, uh, any of those guys that we talked about, 18, I don't know how to say his name, doesn't matter, until he becomes a Miami Dolphin. Um, so everything that we're talking about here, Chris, seems like the Miami Dolphins are looking to do, which makes me very, very happy and also very, very afraid that you guys are taking advice from both Chris Cullen and Sam Marcoux, but that's beside the point. Uh, we agree that tight ends are good to go right now. We are going to start looking at that offensive line. It looks like the Miami Dolphins. Maybe we should do an offensive line first, Chris, because they started making moves like Isaiah Wilson. We're like, I don't know if that's a good move or not. But we're going to talk about the offensive line on the next episode of Perfectville. What worked? What didn't work? Who needs to go? Who needs to stay? And uh, we can't ignore the fact that we've had about 87 offensive line coaches since Brian Flores came to the Miami Dolphins. So we need to address that as well. But after that, Chris... The offense will be fixed. Free agency will be here and we'll just see how good our game plan was, what our roadmap was uh, in terms of what actually happens to uh, to what you and I said should happen here. So it's exciting times here, Chris. We're going to be uh, before too long. We will be in free agency. And then, as you said, 50 days from today, the NFL draft starts. Oh, I can't wait. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I take off that Friday every single year for PTO because I love uh, – it's a party in itself. Just uh, you're, you're welcoming new players that you watched in college on Saturdays, uh, join the fraternity that is the Miami Dolphins franchise that we're such big fans of. So the NFL draft is exciting. We're a week away from free agency, which is exciting because uh, we have money to spend and needs. So this is going to be a really exciting uh, next few months here in the town of Perfectville. 
And in the town of Perfect Vale, at least on the west side of town here, the sun is setting Are directly on, on my face. <laughs> so I think that's a good time for you and I to pull the shoot and get you the hell like out white of Perfect Vision Ville. from WandaVision. <laughs> I wish I was white vision. I just fly the hell out of here right now, but uh, no, I can't. But uh, the mind stone is here. Everything that we need to know about the Miami dolphins and how to nice. fix the offense is happening. The tight ends room, Chris, keep it the same. Keep the lock on the door. The same. Everybody's allowed back in here in 2021. And if Kyle Pitts comes knocking, you answer the door and let him in. But other than that, we're leaving him alone. There you go. Much ado about nothing. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here on this very, very special episode of welcome to Perfectville? If Van Noy had a tight end, maybe he'd still be a dolphin. <laughs> but, in, but instead, he was a wide receiver. That guy listens to the show. You know that, right? He's going to, he's going to, I feel bad. I, I hate he's gone. Just so I hope he listens to the end. <laughs> he didn't turn it off already. I met, on, they had success. I really, I don't think he has sex with Brian Flores. But if you do, <laughs> cool. <laughs> it is Miami. <laughs> All right. Well, and on that note, I guess it's time to go. But uh, we missed all of you. Welcome back to Perfectville. On behalf of Chris Colon and myself and everybody at the Fanatics Network, um, only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. I'm going to say it again. Goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.